Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open it to the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If you don't have your Bibles, if you look on the screen, and if you don't want to look on the screen, just trust me, it's in there. Acts 1 and 8. If you've been raised in the church any length of time, this is one of the most common verses in the church. Some of you can quote it with your eyes closed. Man, some people came up to me today and they're like, man, we never get to hear Spanish at Free Chapel. And I'm like, Jesus, send a Free Chapel Espanol to the OC. Que sea una realidad de que gente predique el nombre de Jesucristo en español desde este púlpito para que cada pueblo, nación, tribu, idioma sepa. Oye Israel, Jehová nuestro Dios. Jehová uno es. Yeah. Woo, man, we're about to have Latino revival here. <laughs> wow, so this is like my last service here now that I added extra work to the church, but maybe you ought to do it. Acts 1 and 8. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. So I was born and raised in Chicago. And then I moved, White Sox. And then I moved to the South. Yeah. Now my mother was, I, I, my father was Colombian. My mother was a white girl. Uh, with, you know, she's born and raised in Chicago, but my grandmother was from Eufaula, Alabama. Come on, somebody. So my grandmother knew how to cook. I mean, like, cook. I mean, with the real stuff, with real ingredients. It was just wonderful. And so she passed down that tradition to my mother. And there were things that my mom made that, were, that I just loved. Now, everyone that has a mama, especially the people that just got all excited when I talked in Spanish, you know that there's nobody that makes tortillas like your mom. There's no one that makes mole like your dad. There's no one that makes pozole. If you don't know what pozole is, you need the revelation of what pozole is in the name of Jesus. But you know what I'm talking about. And so there, there's something about that home-cooked meal. There's something about when your mom makes it or your grandmother makes it or your dad makes it. There's just something that yearns on the inside of you. So when Gina and I got married, I made a simple request. I didn't think I was asking for much. I didn't think I was too eccentric. I just said, hey, boo, uh, could you, or bae, whoever you are, I still don't know, but could you do me a favor? Could you call my mom, get some recipes, and learn to cook some things like my mom? Now, I didn't know that that was going to land us in marriage counseling. I didn't know. It's touch and go. We got two more weeks. I'm just kidding. That's not true. We got four weeks. But all I, I just didn't know. Like, I didn't know. But see, the, 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 there's things about the way your mom made stuff. And, and, and I have the gift of eating. I, I do. It's like one of my spiritual gifts. I love to eat. And one thing about eating is I don't like I don't like, I feel like George Lopez right now. I don't like when people mess with recipes. Why do you do that? 
Why? Why? Like, if it calls for butter, why do you use things that aren't butter? I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You say, well, I can't believe it's not butter. Well, I knew it wasn't butter. Why do you mess with it? If butter was good enough for my grandma, then butter is good enough for me. And then some of you, I don't want to say from what coast, y'all messing with salt. Salt is supposed to be white. It's supposed to be crystals. And you're showing up with your voodoo Himalayan pink. What in the world? Like, it's not enough that I got to drink out of a paper straw, but now you're messing with. And mind you, a paper straw wrapped in a plastic. I mean, like, come on, somebody. But you mess with the butter. You mess with the salt. And then, and then some people are like, well, I just want well, to try to make it better. No, leave it alone. It was already good. I just, this is, maybe it's just me. It probably is. But I just don't like it when people mess with recipes. Just leave it alone. It's good enough. Now, not only do I feel like that about food, that's how I feel about the church. I don't like when people try to mess with the recipe for revival. And they try to mess with truth. And they try to mess with foundational things that should not be changed. I don't like it when people try to... Now listen, there are some things. Hebrews 6 and 1 says, let us, let, let us not lay down the foundation over and over and over again. Let's lay the foundation and then let's move on to perfection. So that doesn't mean we ignore the foundation, but it means once it's established, stop messing with the foundation. I want to be a part of a church that still operates and sees signs, miracles, and wonders. I want a church that is full of the Holy Ghost. I'm not trying to glorify titles, but I like a church that has a Pentecostal feel to it. And so if you want to get the original recipe to figure out how to have that kind of a church, you got to go back to the recipe book where the church was found, and that is called the book of Acts. And when you go to the book of Acts, you find a church of prayer, of consecration, of holiness, and of power. They're in one mind, one spirit, one accord. They're working together. They're giving sacrificially, and they have one motive. It's to see God lifted up on high and lifted up on the earth. And that's the kind of church I want to be a part of in the 21st century. And that, now there are critics, you know, we got critics that talk about all the problems in the church. And the problem with the church is this. And the problem with the church is that. And the old generation complains about the new generation. And the new generation complains about the old generation. And one of the callings I feel that God has put me, placed me in the body of Christ is to be a bridge between the two. Because I'm kind of, I'm a little bit of an old school, but my pants are too short to be old school, so I feel a little new school. So I, I try to be a bridge between the two, but when people talk to me about the problems of the church, I ask them a question. When has the church not had problems? I was pastoring a little church in Virginia, and everything was going right. Everybody loved me. I preached, and everybody was like, wow, that's, that's Rama. That's Rama from heaven. And then later, they didn't like me so much, and they're leaving the church. And more, I called our church, don't tell anybody, sarcastically, I called our church the, the Pentecostal car wash. People would come in, get sanctified, healed, church, delivered. It's like the Holy Ghost, take them through the spin cycle, and then like, we out. 
And so I went to camp meeting one time because that's what Pentecostals do. We go to camp meeting. We can't go to the bars. We can't go to the club. We go to camp meeting. And so I go to camp meeting and the bishop is preaching and he says, I feel in the Holy Ghost that there's a pastor here that's struggling and God would say you are to pray and say, oh God, give me a book of Acts, church, because that's how bishops talk. And so I did it. I said, oh God. God, give me a book of Acts, church. And God spoke to me, not like weird, but he spoke to my heart. And he said, have you read the book of Acts? I'm like, Jesus, I'm Pentecostal. It's the only one I read in the Bible. Come on. And it's like he put blinders on me to see what he wanted me to see. Acts chapter 1, they're supposed to wait on the promise of the Father. A promise is coming. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's going to be like. They're supposed to wait. And it's very explicit. Don't do anything till the promise of the Father comes. Well, while they're sitting around, they start thinking. They say, you know, uh, Judas is no longer with us. We need to name a 12th disciple. Well, how do we do it? Well, how did you get named? I don't know. Jesus said to follow me, and so I just started following him. Well, what about you? Well, I saw Peter start following him, so I followed him. So we don't know. No one here knows how to name a leader? No. No one knows here how to disciple and establish a leader? No. I wasn't ever paying attention because there's all the fish and all the bread and all the miracles, and I just, I got distracted. Remember when he served the new wine at the wedding? I still to be drinking that new wine. I just, I don't know. And so they come up with a great idea. They said, let's have an election. Eeny, meeny, miny, Matthias, congratulations. You're now the 12th disciple. And then you never read about him again. Now, I don't want to badmouth him because one day I'm going to go to heaven. And when I show up, I don't want Matthias like standing at the gate, you know, all like, you know, like Cholo, like, hey, my man, like, you know, at least I'm in the Bible. <laughs> I have issues. <laughs> but the Orale Matias, hey, que onda? Si pues, Simon, what happened? He's probably a great guy, but he wasn't the 12th disciple. So the church just started, and it's already got leadership problems. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost falls, and Jerusalem makes mockery of it. They're already irrelevant. Peter and John in chapter 3 go to church, and there's a man that needs money. Everybody else is stepping over him, mind you, okay? Because everybody's on their way to the house of God, because I'm going to get my blessing. I'm going to get mine. And because I'm going to get mine, I'm going to step over you. Everybody full of the Holy Ghost. Everybody full of miracle working power. And not one person ever took time to pray for the sick. And so they're stepping over. And Peter and John are going to church. And they're running, you know, they're running late to get to the revival. And the man's looking for money. And Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. It's only the third chapter and the ministry's already broke. They don't have enough money. Nobody's gone through the great exchange series with them. There's no videos. There's no PowerPoints. And there's no money. Acts chapter 4, they preach so good, they get to sleep, they get to spend and sleep the night in jail. Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira lie to the man of God and they drop dead. Could you imagine if my brother with the striped shirt was up here? Hey, welcome. Welcome to Free Chapel OC. So glad to have you. First time guests, would you wave your hand? Hey, we got a treat for you. Uh, we got like, we got like jerseys for you in the back. I mean, it's free chapel. You guys give like the best gifts. We got autographed basketballs after the service. Just meet us down there. Make yourself at home. Do whatever you want. Only thing we ask is don't lie because if you lie, you will die. <laughs> Acts chapter 6. Revival hits. They got money. 
They got blessings. They got abundance. But it turns out the old rap song is right. More money, more problems. Come on, somebody. Because now they're so blessed, they're spoiled, and they're complaining about who has more. Well, my mom got to go in the line before your mom because my mom, And now they're complaining about who's more blessed. And then Acts chapter 7, Stephen is killed for preaching the gospel. Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer sees it by the laying on of hands. People are baptized in the Holy Ghost. He says, snap, how much is that? Now we got corruption in the body of Christ. Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus, a.k.a. Kanye West, has a conversion experience, comes to Jesus. And the church says, no, 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 no. He hasn't been through first steps long enough. And I don't, does he have a baptism certificate hanging on the wall yet? And who's his bishop? And who's his pa- Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the wrong guy. Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul. And the church says, Mm-mm, no way that the same blood that forgave my sins could forgive Kanye's sins. Or, I'm sorry, Saul's sins. There's no way. And we find out it's only the ninth chapter and they're already a legalistic, judgmental church. And then in Acts chapter 10, Jesus appears, tells Peter, go preach to Cornelius' house. Peter says, Mm-mm, I don't preach to those people because they weren't of his race. So we find a church that's already segregated. It's already got racial issues. It's already got bigoted problems. And it's only the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. And that's the church God called you to be a part of. It gets worse. The old timers having revival. And I mean, it was hot up in there. And they're all preaching and the Holy Ghost is falling and the organ's playing and the church mothers are having a mighty time in the Holy Ghost and everybody's liking the service and they're singing in the sweet by and by and they're singing all the songs that Tony Suarez sings but the young people have no clue what the heck is going on in the church and they're falling asleep and they're looking around and one of them is so bored he drops dead out of the window. It's so boring people are dying. And the church en- and the book, not the church ends. The book ends with Paul having a shipwreck. And after I read all of that, I'm like, oh, God, I don't want a book of Acts church. What's, the- what's that church that you spit out of your mouth? Laodicea? Give me Laodicea. Give-, give me one of the other ones. And then God said, read it again. I'm like, no, I got the message. He said, read it again. It's like he put new lenses on my eyes. So I read it again. Acts chapter 1, there's a promise. Acts chapter 2, there's a fulfillment. Acts chapter 3, there's a healing. Acts chapter 4, evangelization. Acts chapter 5, mass miracles. Acts chapter 6, abundance and prosperity. Acts chapter 7, global evangelism. Acts chapter 8, wonders and miracles. Acts chapter 9, that's how you and I came into the body of Christ. Acts chapter 10, there's unity in the body of Christ. And what God showed me, is that every chapter of the book of Acts has trauma, has drama, has trial, has issues, has corruption, has lying, has murder. Every chapter has revival, has salvation, has healing, has deliverance. How can it be? It's because the church isn't built on your drama. The church is built on the word of Jesus. And he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Give him praise in the house. (laughs) 
They have change in leadership. They got grumbling and money issues and complaining and division and murder and even a little bit of corruption. But the church thrived and had revival and grew. And so I say, God, I want to be a church like the book of Acts. To get there, I got to do what they did. I got to be like them. You know how my family came into the gospel? In 1952, a, a missionary from the Foursquare Church gave my grandfather a Bible. I wasn't going to tell the story, but I feel to tell it right now. He gave my grandfather a Bible. And my grandfather took the Bible home and started reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That missionary was sent to another part in the country, and there was no one to teach my grandfather the Bible. So they were reading it together, him with his 13 children and with the neighbors. And they got to the book of Acts, and there was no one to explain to them what the promise of the Father was. So my grandfather said, let's do what they did. And if we do what they did, maybe we'll get what they got. And so... They prayed and they fasted for 10 days. And my uncle had a supernatural experience with God. And because of that, they went to a particular city and they knocked on a particular door. And when they knocked on the door, a missionary from England named William Thompson opened the door and he said, God told me you were coming. And he preached the gospel to my family. And that day they were saved. They went to the waters of baptism in the Rio Magdalena all because they, you know what happened to them? They got full of the Holy Ghost. And so if I want to be like the book of Acts, I got to do what they did. And what you find is that they are a church that is full and they stay, they are filled and they stay full of the Holy Ghost. Before I face the day, I want to be like the book of Acts church. I want to face my days full of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to go today in my own strength, in my own power, in my own wisdom, but I want to go under the leading and the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me help you here. The Holy Spirit isn't something that happens as a one-time event. You mark it off on your Holy Ghost calendar. You hang the certificate on the wall, and then you forget about it until Jesus comes again. No. This is access to a fountain of perpetual power so that you can have daily empowerment, daily guidance, daily direction so that you can be led through paths of righteousness. And Acts 1 and 8 says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Amplified Version says, you shall become capable, you shall become efficient, you shall become mighty after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That right there, ought to tear down every stronghold of insecurity and all condemnation that has told you that you're not good enough, that you're not qualified, and that God can't use you. You know what? You're kind of right. In your own power, you're not qualified. But the Holy Ghost has qualified you. The Holy Ghost has made you more than a conqueror. And because of the Holy Ghost. Now you can, because of the Spirit of God, you're joint heirs with Christ to the promises of God the Father. You have access to the throne room. You have access to the cattle on a thousand hills. All the gold and the silver that's in His hands now belongs in your hands. All His power, all of His might belong to you because you're filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And because you have it, you walk in demonstration, you walk in power, and you you walk in victory and you don't walk alone. I don't go anywhere without the Holy Ghost. I don't buy a car. I don't buy a house. I don't buy a taco. I don't get married unless I've talked to the Holy Ghost. Why? Because in my own power, I always mess up. But when the Holy Ghost leads me, he says, don't walk here. I'm going to take you here. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God.
Somebody give them praise in this house. You know Sunday church, Sunday night church is good when the preacher takes off his suit jacket. Loosen the top. All right, here we go. I don't go anywhere without the Holy Ghost. When Jesus went to the tomb, Jesus didn't go to the tomb alone. Jesus went to the tomb under the anointing of the Holy Spirit because he had a word. Yes, there was death in that tomb. And they put Roman soldiers, they positioned Roman soldiers outside of the tomb to make sure that which was dead stayed dead. But there was a word of prophecy by Jesus himself that said, if you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it back up again. And while Jesus was laying in a man-made tomb, hallelujah to the Lamb of God, while he was laying in a tomb, the Spirit of the living God passed by those Roman soldiers and it creeped by those thrones, by those stones, and it defied the law of life and death. And the Spirit of God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And the Bible says this same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now lives on the inside of you. If the Holy Ghost can raise the Son of God from the dead, imagine what the Holy Ghost is about to raise you up out of. I declare through the power of the Holy Ghost, you're coming out of sickness. You're coming out of poverty. You're coming out. You're coming out through the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout and give them praise. The Bible says, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. The Bible says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. Ladies and gentlemen, the church is not a denomination. The church is not an organization and it's not a corporation for it is written, know ye not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus said that the gates of hell won't prevail against the church, he was talking about you. He was talking about your family. He was talking about your mouth. I don't care what the enemy has brought against you. The gates of hell won't prevail. I don't care how much the enemy has come against you. The gates of hell cannot, shall not, and will not prevail. It will not prevail. I don't care what sin, I don't care what sin has been attacking your home and attacking your children. It is written, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house shall be saved through the power of the Holy Ghost. I, bring, I come against every demonic stronghold over your children, every spirit of alcoholism and drug addiction, and I declare your kids are going to be saved by the power. They're going to be saved by the power of the Holy Ghost. I declare right now the Holy Ghost is about to go and find your kids and bring them back under the blood of the Lamb. I got to calm down. I got to calm down. I feel it right now. I feel it right now. The Holy Ghost is walking up and down Orange County, finding your baby, finding your daughter, finding your son, and the Holy Ghost is reminding hell, these children belong to God. I'm bringing them back under the blood. I'm bringing them back under the cross. I'm bringing them back under the covenant. 
I, the Holy Ghost, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, am going to raise your kids out of sin into the newness of life. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Oh, take a moment and just worship in the Holy Ghost. I feel him here. Have your way, Holy Spirit. I feel him in this place right now. I feel him in this place right now. You say, Pastor Tony, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. You don't have to. The Bible says the Holy Ghost will make intercession for you. The Holy Ghost will pray for you. I'm one, forgive me, I hope I'm okay. I'm one of those crazy preachers that still believes that every believer ought to be able to speak in other tongues as the Holy Ghost gives them the utterance. I'm just being real. Did you just say I'm going to hell if I didn't speak in tongues? I didn't say that. I don't put words in my mouth. But if I had free access to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Why would I not want to tap into that kind of power? I'm one of those crazy preachers that thinks everybody needs to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. This isn't like Colgate toothpaste where four out of five dentists recommend it and the other one's okay because you can use Crest. If four out of five preachers recommend you need the Holy Ghost, the one that didn't recommend it, he needs the Holy Ghost. So I'm just saying right now. <coughs> I still believe that every believer can speak with other tongues as the Holy Ghost gives them the utterance. And you know what I've learned about praying in my heavenly language? This is a little bit on the nerdy side, but praying in tongues is kind of like code. The Father understands it, but everything under your feet has no clue what you're saying. When you pray in tongues, you confuse hell. You confuse every demon, every legion, every principality. But when you pray in tongues, your heavenly Father says, I know exactly what you need. Here is your healing. Here is your blessing. Here is your miracle. coming to a close say well why did God speak it to I don't know it's in the Bible Peter got in trouble for preaching somewhere he wasn't supposed to preach and he had to go meet the district board and the district why are you preaching over there Jesus sent me oh okay well what happened they got the Holy Ghost how do you know Peter didn't say they all fell out he didn't say they all shuck a mood he didn't say they all rolled around like holy rollers on the floor. He said, we heard him speak with tongues. That was the common denominator of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now you want to know one of the greatest influences for this sermon right here is the senior pastor of this house, Pastor Jensen Franklin. I'm going to tell you why. I have a sermon saved on my phone that Pastor Jensen preached. I don't know how many years ago. I listen to it two or three times a year to remind myself. It's, it's a sermon. I don't even know exactly what it's called. I think it's called the language of the spirit. But in it, he talks about that the last thing that exists in a people group, the thing that when that ceases to exist, the people group ceases to exist is language. 
when they lose their language, they cease to exist as a people. Pentecost has a sound. It's had it since its conception. In the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and on, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it fell on each one. And they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost. But ladies and gentlemen, wind makes no noise. There is no sound in wind. The sound comes from what the wind touches. When the wind blows through a tree, you hear, you hear the leaves that begin to, breathe, to, to move. And you, and you hear the branches that begin to shake. If I... What you're hearing is the air that's touching this microphone and releasing something. So when the mighty rushing wind came from heaven, there was no sound in the wind. The sound came when the wind of Pentecost touched the 120 that were in the upper room and they released the sound of Pentecost. And I have a prophetic word in my spirit for Free Chapel for every one of your campuses. God spoke to me. He spoke to my heart and he told me to tell Free Chapel. I told Georgia three months ago and now I tell you today God told me to tell Free Chapel that if you will release the sound of Pentecost, he said I the Lord will release the power of Pentecost. If you will use your voice to release my sound, then I'll use my mind hand to show miracles signs and wonders and my prayer here tonight is that when the mighty rushing wind hits this house every one of us will be baptized again in the Holy Ghost and in fire stand with me if you will Pastor Jensen's sermon got to me because I'm third generation Pentecostal my children are fourth, my original three. Gina's original two are like seventh generation Pentecostal. I don't want Pentecost to, to die in my generation. When I grew up, I spoke English with my mom and I spoke Spanish with my father because it was my dad's language. Si yo quería comunicar con mi papá, yo hablaba con mi papá en español. No porque él no entendía inglés, pero entendía el español mejor. When I wanted to talk to my father, I talked to him in his language. Not because he didn't speak another language. He spoke English. But I knew that he could understand me better if I spoke in his language. Well, I don't just want to speak the language of my earthly father. I want to speak the language of my heavenly father. <laughs> and not only do I want to speak it, I want to understand it so that when God speaks back to me, I know what direction the Holy Ghost is giving me. I don't want Pentecost to die. I want the kookiness, the weirdness, that stuff, that can die. But the truth, the power, that cannot die. The language cannot die. In my house, Excuse me. In our house, marriage 101. In our house, in your house, we're trilingual. We speak English, we speak Spanish, and we speak Holy Ghost tongues in our house. And I'm intentional. I'm intentional 
I make sure my kids hear me praying in the spirit because I want them to know the language. I don't want, Pastor Ben, one of my like fears is that 20 years from now, my kids turn on whatever the YouTube is of their generation and they see this crazy service here and they say, Dad, what was that? That scares me. I will not let Pentecost die in my generation. The power of the Holy Spirit will lead you to salvation. It'll fill you with miracle working power. And the Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. 